Thank you for choosing iChurch Sermon Podcast. We invite you to get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has to say to you today. Last week, we were talking about stuff, questions you ask yourself when you date. Now, now you got to follow me because I'm not preaching today. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just teaching, okay? But so, so you got to, what I want you to do is I want you to get educated. We talked about, about what dating was and we talked about why dating. Okay, now we still have to knock out a couple of questions. We probably won't finish it this week. Next week, it's going to be really cool because Oswe comes back up to the altar and he'll be bringing a recap of what he learned in spiritual intimacy in that series. So he's going to end it up with that. We might not finish this. We might come back and finish it. I don't know. Whatever our campus leader tells us to do, that's where we're going. But we did why and we did what. Now today, we're going to answer a really, really cool question that I, know, I think almost everybody wants to know. And it's when. Today we're going to talk about when, and hopefully we'll, get, we'll be able to go into to who. And I think that's the one that everybody's asking. Everybody comes and says, Pastor, I really want to hear who to date. I really want, I really, I really want to know that. So we're going to talk about who to date. Okay, now this, now this series doesn't just apply to people that are single. It also applies to married people because married people at some point will have children. When you have children, you got to know all these answers. So when we're looking at these questions, I want you to really think about it. But today let's ask a question that most parents are asking themselves, and it's when. When is the right time to start dating? Now, some of you, right, started dating when you got to the teen phase and you, you're, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15, crazy teen. Some of you did it at, at, at when you were right in the phase of the 7A. You see the guys checking out the girls. Some of you, um, like Mike Rao, he started dating when he was three years old. You know, Mike Rao, because he was just, I mean, there was no way to control him. His mama held him back and he just wouldn't. He's like, mama, 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 I want to date somebody. You know, so that's, that's just, you know, that's just, that's just Mike, right? So, um, um, you know, but it, when is the right phase to date? When, when do you start dating? Do you start at three? Do you start at eight? Do you start at teen? Do, you, do I date when I'm in middle school? Do I date in high, high school? When is the right time to start dating? Now, now I'm going to ask production to help me back there and ch- find Song of Solomon's chapter 2, verse 7, and put it on the side screens if you guys have it, because um, my iPad is a little whack and it's gone a little bit crazy. It's a little off, but, but um, I'm still going to put it up here. This, this one Bible verse gives me the answer of when to start dating. It says, it says this, this is the, remember, for those that are catching up, we're in the book of Song of Solomon, and it's a really hot, sexy book. It's about this girl, and she likes this guy. Chapter 1 and 2, she likes him. The guy answers back. He's after her. She doesn't come. They're, they're dating. They're, they don't know. Then they finally start dating, and then you go into chapter 2, and chapter 2, they, they, they're about to start dating, and the girls around them are saying, Hey, if you're dating, I want to date too. And they want to start going out. And then, and then she gets really, really hot, this girl. And she's like, and she's like, she's like man, I, I want a boyfriend. And she goes crazy. And the boyfriend comes up and says, yeah, well, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And then when she says, no, wait a minute. We can't. We can't. Then he walks away. And then she looks at him. And she, and she sees all the girls after him. And you know, I, some of you have been to that phase where, where you like a girl or you like a guy. And then you really, really like him. But like it didn't kick off. And then when you see that somebody else is with them, you're like, oh, man. And that could have been mine. And she freaks out and she says, she says, she says, all the women like him. I want to go after him. So, so she's desperate for him. And then she goes up to him and she says, take me, make me yours. You're like, Pastor, this isn't the Bible. It's in the Bible. She goes, she says, she says, I'm hot. I'm hot. I want your body. I want to touch your, she, and then he turns around and says, I want to touch your, your, your sweaty bosoms, he says. And then she turns around, she turns around and says, you guys are like, Pastor, no, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And then she turns around and then, and then, and then she says, no, 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 no. Let's honor God. Let's honor God. Let's not 
not do this. Let's hold back. They started feeling each other. They said, no, no, no. We're not ready for this. And they separate. And now they're going to go into engagement. And when they're going to get engaged, I'm going to use the message Bible. Um, this is what they say. He says, he says, he says he, she's her, right? She turns to her sister. She's finally, it's good. You know, they're going to get it on. They're going to have sex, right? They're finally going to have it. But they're waiting to get married before they have sex. They're going into the engagement phase now. And when they're going to go into the engagement phase, she turns over. And she looks at him and, um, and, and she says, all right, now you go prepare everything and you come back for me and then we'll decide. Uh, there's only one more thing. We have to make the engagement right. There's an engagement process, okay? Everybody say process. <laughs> we want stuff without the process. There's got to be a process for it, all right? Now, now, before the process starts, she goes back home and the guy, um, the, the girls around her, her girlfriend start, oh. I'm so excited. I want a boyfriend too. Oh, oh, oh. Because here's, here's the thing. All the girls, all the girls in the room say amen. <laughs> okay. That was a week. No wonder you guys don't find a boyfriend. You know, it's, it's a, it's, you know, and, and, you know, it's like in my time, I would, you would ask, preacher would have been all those single guys in the room saying, I know it's full room full of, like Young United, it's a room full of single people. I would have said, hey, man. <laughs> I would have probably done something like this. Hey, man. <laughs> you're searching, you know, you're on the hunt, you're on the prowl, right? But all right, that's your fault. All right. So anyway, Song of Solomon's, she, she, the girls are really hot for, for, for a guy because it's peer pressure. It works that way. I don't care if you're 45 years old or if you're 10. Peer pressure is at work. Peer pressure is at school. If you think those high schoolers, those, those college students that are in this room, that you think, well, I'm out of high school. I got no more peer pressure. You got something. You got something coming. You're crazy. To the college students that are out in the work world and you're working now and there's a lot of them in this room and you think, well, I'm out of that pressure of peer pressure. No, you're going into it worse than ever. It doesn't disappear. It's worse. Well, she's with these guys, and she's with the girls, and the girls say, oh, let me warn you, sisters. This is what she says, this is what she says to the little girls. She says, before you guys go freaky, and, and because you're seeing me get married, and you want to get married, you know, that's what happens to ladies, all the, all the older ladies in the room, older young ladies. Pastor, what's an older young lady? Those girls that are over their 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, all the way up to 30s, and sometimes some of you up to 40, you're like, man, I haven't married yet, and I'm, I'm never going to get married, and you're 21 you're thinking nobody's ever gonna marry me you know just it's, it's running through your mind you think it's never gonna happen and it's a sad thing because people remind I feel sorry for single people in this room because people remind you that you're single they remind you they remind you like, so you know they, they know you're not dating anybody you show up and they say so who'd you come with <laughs> I didn't come with anybody idiot I never come with anybody I have nobody in my life you know it's just you know just you really want to get um you know I heard I heard um I heard, I heard a preacher called Chris Hodges. He does a series um, called Life Series. If you haven't checked that, you got to check it out. Some of this material is from there. It's really good material. Um, and, and one of the things he does, he does the Book of Song of Solomon, a different, whole different way, but he does it also. And he does something really good. He says to all the single people in the room, every time you go to, to, to weddings and, and your grandma comes up to you, you know, that, that old aunt comes up to you and says, and says so when are you getting married, huh? And they just make you feel like crap, you know? When are you getting married? Chris Hodges has a great response for them. Says, Chris Hodges says, wait, um, you know, because the, the auntie goes, when are you getting married? Are you next? He just, he, he just says, calm down, wait. Next funeral that comes up, you stand next to her, and you say, you're next. 
Thanks. <laughs> I love that answer. I thought that was so cool, Chris Hodges. He's a great pastor. If you haven't heard him, you got to listen to this guy. He's awesome. So, so listen. So here, here, here this girl's doing the contrary. She sits with her, with her girlfriend. She says, oh, let me warn you, sisters in Jerusalem, by the gazelles. Yes, by all the wild deer. Why is she saying wild deer? She says, for all the girl, crazy girls that they just want a boy and I want a boy. And, want, and all the girls in here sitting next to the ones that have parents in the room. They're like, that's, that's not me. Not, <laughs> that is you. I see in your Facebook. It is you. You know, it is you. It's like, mm, it's a, you know, you're, you're desperate. You're in this despair. To, he says to all the gazelles, to all the wilders, don't excite love. He says, don't stir it up until the time is what? Ripe. And then it says, and you are ready. It says, don't do it until you're ripe. If you are not ripe, you're going to taste bad in somebody else's mouth. Come on, we're talking about sex. If you are not ripe, you're going to taste bad in somebody else's mouth. The flavor is not going to be the same. So you need to wait till you're ripe. If you start dating and you're not ripe for it, uh, last week, for those that weren't here, for those that obviously are here today but can't remember that because you didn't take notes. Okay, let me, let me explain something to you. There's, there's in the Bible, there's friendship. There's a friendship phase. And then you're friends. And then after friendship phase, you go to engagement phase. There is no dating phase. Engagement. Engagement was dating. And then you got married. That's how it was in the Bible. Now, because of our weaknesses, we've created something that we think is good. I believe in this. And it's called courtship. See? But the thing is that when you're engaged, you have privileges. Now, don't say no, to all the engaged people in here, don't go around saying, well, I'm engaged. I'm having sex. No, sex is a marriage thing. It's not for engagement, but engagement, you're able to hold hands, you're able to kiss, you're able to speak in engagement. Now, courtship is a process where we go on a repetitive date. Now, that's what I taught last week. Now, having taught that, I want you to understand that you are not ripe to date. You are not ripe to date. You are not ripe to courtship. You are not ripe to engagement. Don't say it until four things happen. Let me show you four things that have to happen. Here's number one. I'm going to teach you four things, four signs that you need to see before you say, because some of you are saying, well, when am I going to date? Parents, when, when should I date? To all the young people here, to, to all the girls that are going back to school and school's coming around. Now, let me tell you something. This room is, is almost three quarters full. And, and I want to give it up for our Young United staff. Come on, everybody. Give it up for our Young United all around the building. You guys are kicking butt. You guys are kicking butt. It is sick. It is sick. I see Young United. If this is not, I can't imagine what's going to happen when school starts. When you go back to college, when you go back to school, you guys better rock it. You guys better bring buses that go to school. St. Stephen's, steal the bus and bring everybody from school with you. All right? No, actually, cut out, edit the steal the bus part. Um, here are four signs of when is time to date. Here's four times of when is time to date. Here's number one. Here's the number one thing that has to happen before you date. To all the single people. And this goes a lot to college, to single adults, to grown adults, to divorced people. This goes out a lot to you. Number one thing that has to happen. You have to understand the purpose of singleness. If you don't understand your purpose of singleness, you're not ready to date. I see so many couples going in. I did this. I missed number one. I didn't see the purpose of my singleness. I didn't want to be single. I couldn't be single. Single. I, I was like, no, I can't be single. No, I can't do this. I need, I need somebody. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and it's so sick because singleness is beautiful. When you're single, you get to do things. Paul talks about singleness and he says, if you're going to do ministry, the best thing you can do is be single. 
He said, when you're going to do ministry. I'll give you a perfect example of that. Chris is going off to college. He leaves to Anderson tomorrow. He's going to an awesome, powerful, great church that I love called New Spring Church with a great, great, great pastor called Perry Noble. And it's a mega church and it's growth. And he's going down there to college and he's going to do internship. He's going to be doing some tracks and learning some stuff. And while he's down there, he's going down there and he has a girlfriend called Cindy. And... I call her Medellin. And, and there's a thing about Cindy I want to tell you about. They are suffering so much. Yeah, everybody. There's the part where everybody goes, oh. They are suffering so much. And they're like, they're like, mm. You know, it, it's, it's, it's Sunday. He leaves tomorrow. She's not going to see him Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. <sighs> You know, and it just, how we, so everybody keep her in prayer, please, and keep him in prayer. And, and, and some of you are thinking, Pastor, that's just downright cruel. No, listen, listen, listen. That's the price of dating. When you date somebody, you have, you're attached to that person, so you think about that person. Constantly, you want to be with that person. Same thing happens when you're married. When you're married, you, when you're married, after a couple of years, you actually want to disappear for three or four days. But... But here it goes. Not me, honey. Not me. Every other marriage but me. Me never, 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 honey. No, never. And here's the thing about it, guys. You want, you want to start you, 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 this period of separation. And I say that joking, but I hit the road a couple years and I was traveling a lot. When I was traveling, I like traveling. I've always liked traveling. You like, everybody likes traveling. No, after a point of it, you get sick of it. You don't want to do it anymore. You're sitting at the airport. You're dying to get home. You don't want to be there anymore. You get jet lagged. You, you, you're just sick of traveling. You're away from your family. You miss your kids. You miss your wife. You just miss everything. I used to make it home, and I was like, oh, my bed, oh, you know, and it just, and doesn't matter where you go in the world, you just miss home, and on my traveling season, I was missing home, I wanted to go back, you know, and here's the thing, you want to go back because, because I never knew how to be single, never learned it. Now, I'm not saying single people go crazy and start drinking and traveling and forget life and, you know, live like a hobo on the street. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, single people, you guys get the privilege of saying, hey, there's a mission trip, I'm signing up, I'm going. You know what the energy of this church is? Let me give it to you right here. I'll give it to you right up, straight up. You heard it in Young United. The power, the financial power, the financial power of this church is in the 947 service. Those are the people that pay for you to do what you do. <laughs> yeah, Pastor, I don't like that. Yes, and the 6 o'clock service, because the 947 is the thinking power that produces capital. They're the baby boomers, the generation X, and the and the and the stepping on millennial season that walked into a phase where they're making money and they're thinking about settling down and they want something serious and, and they want deep theology. That's the 947 service. When you go to the 6 o'clock service, you have the passion crazy Latinos. They're the loudest people in the world and they're just hot-blooded and you got some here and, and the Latinos bring the passion. Come, come After the service, go. I dare you to step out and come back for worship. If you're only coming back for worship, you got to sit in the back because it's going to fill up. But sit in the back and Latinos come in and they bring this deep, intense spiritual passion. But you know where the energy of the church is? It's in Young United. It's in our youth. They are the bring that without youth, listen, and I'm not talking about, because some people are sitting here and say, wait a minute, Pastor, I come to this service, but I'm not youth. No, see, you're just like me. We're old people with young mentality. <laughs> and when you have that, when you have that, when you have that sense, the lights and the stuff and the noise, it doesn't bother you. It pumps you up. You let it rip. 
because you know you're going to die someday. So before you do, you want to make it happen. You know? And here, here's, here's what Young United brings to the table. Young United brings to the table just that oomph, that extra power, the screaming. I, 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 I know we're coming up to a series called I Love My Eye Church. I know this service is going to go crazy with I Love My Eye Church. It's going to go crazy. It's going to be wild, wild, wild. And, and here's, here's what I want you to think about for a second. Pastor, what are you saying? What makes that power? Singleness. You have no worry. You're able to say, well, I'm going. I, yeah, it's a hakuna matata. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I'm not saying you got it all easy. I'm just saying it comes to a point you say, oh, the hell with it. Let's just do it. Come on, man. You know, and you walk up to the altar. You jump up. You, you know, you, 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 you're able to say, I want this. And that singleness is there. Paul understood that. And Paul was saying in Scripture, man, I stayed single because it's so good. He says, I could travel. He was one of the world's greatest missionaries. One of the greatest speakers in the Bible. An author that would inspire and be used by God. He could be up, you know, I'm at my house last night and I'm working on Sunday and I'm working on Saturday and we're kicking off because we're about to start a new service at 12-12 and, 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 and we're going to open up a new Spanish service so I'm setting everything up and I, 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 she does it out of love but my wife kept on knocking on the door. Are you done? And I would keep on working. I'm like, I got to concentrate. I got to concentrate. Come and get this done. Are you done? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I'm like, ah! You know why? Because I'm married. Pastor, you complaining about married life? No, I love my married life. And I recommend it to anybody. My son gets married in 40, 40, how many? She wants to say 44. He wants to say 45. I don't know. We got to figure that one out. But listen, he's getting married in 45 days, whatever. And here's what I want you to realize, guys. I want you to realize this, is that, that for them, they're getting married. It's just going to change. <laughs> It's going to change. Like, it's going to be a wonderful life. You, you just lost your life, single life, bud. And you're like, Pastor, are you saying married is bad? No, being married is good. What I'm saying is it's no longer about you. Whatever you want to do, you better shut up and dance with me. You know, whatever you, it doesn't matter. That, and that's, hey, that's, that's what marriage is like. That's what marriage is like. I want to go party. And you're with the rest of the, and the crowd comes up and you're going, whoo, whoo. See, Josue just comes up and dances anywhere now. When he gets married, if he comes up and, I can't say Sarah Parker, but another girl's right here going, and he comes up and he starts, when you get home, you're in trouble, bro. You know, it's just, why? Because you got to shut up. It's not about you. Well, I want to wake up at this hour because I always sleep in. Shut up. You got married. You're going to wake up whenever you have to wake up because you got married. So, Pastor, you're saying marriage is bad. No, marriage is beautiful. But what I'm saying is, you're saying, but it doesn't sound that beautiful, Pastor. No, what I'm saying is you didn't enjoy single. You didn't enjoy being single. You never got to it. You didn't take a break. I don't know what. And then you're in this crazy rush. But you have a purpose to be single. Pastor, what's your purpose? I'll show you what your purpose is. This is the number one purpose of being single. Is Number one purpose is to serve God. Number two purpose is because you learn to know your purpose in life. Is it the same thing? No. See, you can't date until you know what God wants with you. You can't date somebody until you know. So when I see a 13-year-old girl, all those little 13-year-old girls in the room, Pastor, don't call me a 13-year-old. Look at me. I don't care. Just shut up. You're 13 years old. You're 13 years old. Pastor, you're, you're, you're underestimating me and you're undervaluing me and you're thinking, you're 13 years old. Do you know your purpose in life? If you don't know your purpose in life, you got to think about this twice. What are you doing? You don't know why God created you to be on earth and you're going to tear your soul up with somebody? 
What if God has called you and all those single people in the room and all those that are not dating, all those that, that have come into a divorce phase or they're in an adult phase. And listen, you don't have somebody right now, maybe because God wants you to know your purpose first. He wants you to identify it. Look what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 and also in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 20. It says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which, which God prepared in what? Advance for us to do. Before you were born, God prepared a path for you. God has something for you to do. And if you pair up with the wrong person before knowing your purpose, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because what happens if God told you go north and this person wants to go south? What are you going to do? First to Peter verse four, verse t- chapter 4 verse 10 says, each of you should use whatever gift. Everybody say gift. Touch three people around you and say, you got a gift, you got a gift, you got a gift. See, the crazy dude behind you and next to you looked at you and said, uh, I got a gift, I can't have a gift. I don't, I don't think I got a gift, I can't do anything right. You have, if God created you, he gave you a gift. So tap somebody in the back and say, relax, you got a gift. Come on, relax, relax, you got a gift, you got a gift. I know some of you don't look like you have a gift, but believe me, you have a gift. Guys, I was freaking out. People come up to me all the time. They, all the time I get encouragement. All the time. All the time. Constantly. Sometimes I feel humbled by it. Because I know I ain't that smart. But people come up to me all the time. Oh, you're a great leader. Oh, people from the community. People from the church. People from other churches. Oh, you're a great speaker. Oh, you got so many gifts. Oh, Pastor, you got power to sermon. Man, till I was 18, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with my life. I st- I'm honest. I am the suckiest sports player in the world. I'm telling you. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Pastor Chu's played with me. I am the worst in the world. I'm telling you. Listen, I could probably lift better weights than Chu. I could probably run farther than Chu. I could, I could outrace Puji. I could whip those guys. And we play basketball. I look like a girl next to them. I'm running like this with the ball. I, I, I hate it so much because guys are supposed to be good at sports, man. You're supposed to be good. I suck. You know. And, and, and it bothers me because I know I wasn't good. And then here's the worst part about it. My older brother, guy's a jock. He could beat me in every single sport. I could never reach him. So I thought, okay, well, he's older than me. That's why. And then my younger brother became a great football player. And I'm like, what, what happened with my genes? Where are they? What's up with my dad? You know, what did he mess up? And then, I just, I'm bad at sports. So I said, maybe I'm artistic. And I tried to draw. Have you ever seen me drawing? Oh, my God. It looks like somebody with a special ed problem was drawing something. I mean, I could, like right now, look, I'm going to draw. To people who are on podcast or getting down the line, this is mine. This is, this is a picture of a human being. You know how I started drawing? I started drawing like this. I started drawing like this. I drew Snoopy, and I learned it, and I said, I could draw! That's the only thing I could draw, Snoopy. That's about it. It stops right there, and it starts having, look at the other guy. The other guy looks like that guy from a, from a you know, a Jay's Friday the 13th movie or something like that. I got killed or slammed over the head. It's ridiculous. I don't have the ability to draw. So, Pastor, what are you saying? I didn't, I couldn't find my gifts. But, 
God had prepared an advanced gift for me. I just needed to know what they were specifically. I promise you, God did not send you to earth without equipping you to do something great. I found mine in the slum where I had nowhere to go and I was living an outrageous life that wasn't happy and I was drinking and I was out with friends and I wasn't happy and I stopped and I realized that I needed help and I went to God and in God I found that my purpose was to preach the gospel. But I had a gift inside of me. Now imagine if I would have paired up with the wrong person. You don't, you don't find your purpose after you find your spouse. You find your purpose first, then you find your spouse. Because <laughs> what happens if your spouse doesn't share the purpose? It was really hard for me because, you know, when I started dating my wife, who's the person that's my wife now, when I started dating her, um, there's this guy that liked her. She had broken up with this really ugly dude. And, 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 then she, and then she, there was this other guy that liked her. And he was a student to become a pastor. And he was from a little city called Mayagüez. And he was, and he was like, I, it was like, you're so lucky you didn't marry that guy. <laughs> yeah, he 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 would like he'd be like the guy was all upside down. You know what I'm talking about? When you know you ever met one of these people that they're so spiritual, they're like, well, God bless you, welcome to church. It's so good to have you. The guy had to call him to be a pastor. I call them the tight underwear people. They just wear their underwear so tight they walk like they're all stiff and stuff. And and that and this girl, this guy liked my wife, and he was like, well, I like you very much. And he'd come and preach, and he'd wear his suit and his tie. I just guy was and okay and then and then what i'm saying was that that he one day she was considering him because she knew god had a purpose with her and she said i can't because and i was her friend she says i can't because he's he wants to be a pastor i don't feel i'm called to be next to a pastor (laughs) so she dated the bad boy well it happens to be that the bad boy turned into a pastor You know, and it was hard for me to come home and say, God called me to ministry. Why? Because I found my purpose after I got married. You're like, Pastor, what did it turn out that bad for you? No, but it can turn out bad for you. You guys have no idea the passion. Look, I see it all the time. Great women of God. Great. There's, there, look, right now, there are people in this room that I look at you, and I, and I know you, and, 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 and you, your spouse is killing your ministry. And there's, there's dating couples here. You, you got, you, you're dating the wrong guy. You're dating the wrong girl. They're going to destroy your ministry. Because they don't think like you. They're not pulling the same direction. The Bible says that a house divided against itself shall not prosper. You need to find your purpose. To all the single people in the house, find your purpose before you commit. Find that. Because here's the third thing you have to do if you are considering you want to date. If you're going to date, one, you, you enjoy single, being single, and you find its purpose. You find your purpose in God. Number three, you got to make decisions. You got to commit. If you're not ready to commit, don't date. Don't. If you're not ready to commit, don't date. Sarah has not yet come to our house to tell us, I like this boy and I, I don't want him to come speak to you, Daddy. She is not, but she's in that phase where she's coming closer and closer. And to all the guys in here, <laughs> you do not know me. Okay, and, 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 and listen to this. And listen to this. When, when she comes home and she says that, Pastor, what do you do? She's 14 and she says she wants to start dating. I run her down this list. I say, number one, do you know your purpose in life? Number two, do you, know, do, you, uh, do you know what it is to be single? Number three, are you ready to commit? 
Because by I promise you, by the Almighty Father who is in heaven, when my daughter comes home and tells me she's bringing home a boyfriend, that girl better learn how to cook, clean, sweep, mop, do the bath. I'm going to sit down, sit pina coladas, and walk behind her saying, go ahead, clean that. Clean that. But Pastor, you're going to punish her? No. It, you can't go into a long-term relationship with somebody unless you're willing to commit. Because when you go into a relationship with somebody, you're telling this person, I am here to know you and figure out if you and me are going to live eternally together. So I have to understand that if I am to be appointed to your life, listen to this, if I'm appointed to your life by God, God has given me gifts from before I was born so I can complete you to be the woman or the man you're called to be. So I need to start practicing those gifts now because I don't want you to fall short on what God called you to do. I don't want you to fall short. When the married couples in here, if you do not back up your husband or your wife in ministry and what they're called to do, I hear all the time, oh, oh, I can't do that. It's just too much work. I can't do that for God. Man, you work like an animal for everything else. You should be inspiring your spouse to be involved in God day and night because if they don't choose God, they're going to choose something. So here it comes back to this, to this process of you need to commit. Look what the Bible says to all the guys out there. Man, I'm checking out. I want to find the girlfriend. You know, all the boys that are, that are you know, just, just so, you're so cool. You got so much swagger, you know. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If you can't provide for your, hey baby. I want a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, I'm a pet pet, your dad. Can you give me five bucks to go to movie theater? What are you, sick? I ain't giving you money to go to movies with your girlfriend. You can't provide. You ain't got a girlfriend. If you cannot, now I'm not saying that at a dating phase, you have to have a $250,000 house and a Porsche outside your backyard. I'm not saying that. I'd be pretty cool, but that's not what I'm saying that. What I'm saying is, you got to be able to commit. Some girls in this room, guy, girls, gals, you can't clean your bedroom and you're talking about a boyfriend? What are you, sick? Boy's going to find out you're a pig sooner or later. If you're going to have a boyfriend, you better start, you know, you could put on the makeup and you could put on your hair, dude. We, boy's going to know you don't shave those hairy armpits and it smells real bad. He's going to, you can't be a pig and get away with it. He's going to figure out, and here's the problem. You pass him, but you're saying that if I want to date, I got to clean my room. Yes. Why? Because you have to have a commitment factor. The Bible says if you get the guys, I want a girlfriend. Dude, you got to go out and work. I can't find any job. I just ran by Bojangles right now, 120 uh, on, on Springs Road. Says hiring day, night, afternoon. It's all he's about. To say. It's, it's on the bottom of the, the only issue right is please, anyone, anyone, anytime, we'll hire you. It's to that point. There's work. You got to get up and work it. If you can't commit, then the Bible says that you are worse than an unbeliever. You're a pagan. <laughs> Why? Because you can't provide for the matter of fact. You got to be able to be organized. Those guys, you're walking in your car. Girls, listen to all the girls in the room. If you have a boyfriend that has a car that's always messed up, all, like, I mean, all the time. Man, I, I remember my car. My car was a cool car because my car had an had a, had a, had a, um, advisory system. It was a 1986 Mitsubishi Tredia. I remember that. 
at Mitsubishi. Some of you are like, what's a Tredia? A Tredia is a car that once existed in, with, in the times of Fred Flintstone. And it, and, it, and it would pop the hood backwards like that. I thought that was so cool that my, my hood would pop backwards. I'd like, I just pop the hood. You know most hoods go like that? Well, that one you pop it and it would go. So I'd open it up and think I'm Magnum P.I. And just stand there with everybody there. And I'd be popping that hood so much because that car was always leaving me somewhere. It was a broken down, raggedy car. I didn't, I didn't have any money. I was a college student. And check it out. You know what I did for college? It's a true story. My girlfriend was in a town called Mayagüez. That's about an hour away from my house. And I was in a town, Aguadilla, going to college. We were, different, we were in different schools, different universities. And I would have to go from my house to Aguadilla and then go from Aguadilla back home to go see her. I wanted to go see her. My parents didn't give me no money to go see her. So what did I do? I used to have my car, park it in front of college. I'd make it to college. Check this out, guys. I would make it to college. I'd take a cardboard because there was not work in Puerto Rico. It wasn't North Carolina. And I would fold a piece of cardboard. I had it in my trunk. And I would write the town name on it. It's like me going to Boone. And after I took my classes, I'd go out. I'd be a philosophy major. And I would go to take philosophy, take my classes. Then I'd go out to the street and I'd have my car. And I'd park it right in front of college. I'd open up my trunk. And I'd put on top of the hood a piece of cardboard that said, it's like like if I were in Boone, I'd write a sign and say, Hickory. And I'd stand there like that. And people, kids would walk out and say, Hickory, 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 Hickory. And somebody would say, yeah, man, I need a ride of Hickory. All right, dude, four bucks, I'll take you. And I'd fill up my car with two, three people. And make, eight, I'd make 16, 20, 20 bucks. Take them to, I'd take them back to their hometown. Then I'd put the money in the car for gas, go see my girlfriend, and go take her to eat a burger. That's why I'm married. <laughs> That's why I'm married. And you know why that was important and why she knew she was already picking the right guy? Because when we got married, she wanted to finish college, and I dropped out so she could go. Is that the type of boyfriend you got? Is that the type of boyfriend you got? Will you, what, what are you willing to sacrifice for your spouse in the future? Because you're going to have to sacrifice something for your spouse. That's, so you have to be willing to commit. Now, and here's the fourth thing you have to have. You have to understand this. You cannot be able to date if you don't think you are spiritually correct to hold back from sex. I don't care what you say, sex is going, I don't care how decent you say you are, I don't care how much, you, sex is going to be in your flesh. It's natural to desire sex. It's a natural God-given desire to want sex. Unless you have a hormonal unbalanced chemical situation, which does happen, you are going to want to desire sex. And here's what happens. When you desire sex, when you desire sex and you're dating, you have to have the strength to be able to understand this is not right. So if you have not found your purpose in being single, if you have not found your purpose before God, if you don't know how to commit to your word, then you will fall into fornication and you will brought a curse upon your relationship. You have to be willing to be able to say, I don't want to do this. I have to hold back. And here's the thing. If you have a boyfriend or girlfriend who never knows how to say that, you got the wrong person. You have to be able to say, oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, let's hold back. Because there's only a period of time. Pastor, you really think that we're all going to want to desire it? Well, I don't think so. But First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17 says, Now for the matter you wrote about, it is good for man not to have sexual relations with the woman, but since, it's good to hold back, but since sexual immorality is occurring, it's, it's happening anyway, each man should have sexual relationships with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. 
So the Bible says that we are going to desire sex. So when you're dating and you want to know when to date, you have to be able to understand. So Pastor, you're saying I can't date till I can put a stop to sex. No, you can't date till you know that spiritually you're in a position that you're able to pull back and say, I want to glorify God with my life. Because if you go into that and you're not at, if you're not strong spiritually and you're trying to date, you're going to mess up really, really bad. This morning, Gladie preached a powerful sermon at 947 and she was talking about the intimacy with God. I mean, she really slammed it, guys. She brought, I mean, that was, that was like the nitty-gritty of spiritual life. She was talking about how to be intimate. She, she related having sex with being intimate with God. And she's talking about the need of going into a secret room with Him and encountering Him. And when she was preaching it, I was thinking in my mind, God, it is so true that I need to be close. I was thinking, she's preaching, and I'm trying to, and I'm thinking in my mind, God, and guys, I pray, I fast, I read the Bible daily, man, I do these things. And I'm still thinking, I, if I want more of you, I got to have less of me. I really got in there. If you're not doing that and you're trying to date somebody, you're weak. Two weak people, that equals sin. That's a good quote right there. Two weak spiritual people equal sin. All right? So when is it time to date? When you know, number one, you know your purpose in life. Number two, you've understood why God has you single still. Okay, God, I'm going to enjoy this and understand and trust you for whenever you want to bring them into my life. Number three, when you're able to commit and make strong decisions and say, I'm able to decide, yes, no, what I'm going to do, where my life is. Number four, you're able to say, no, premarital sex is wrong. I want our marriage to fulfill and to be together, and I want it to be right. Pastor, what if my, what if my boyfriend or my girlfriend doesn't understand it? You leave him. You got the wrong person in your life. What does the person with you inspire? What does the person with you inspire you? And that takes us to the next question. Who Pastor, who, who, who is Mr. Wright? Who is, who is Mrs. Wright? And it, I, out of all the topics that I teach, this is the one I like most. And I'm not going to have time to do it today because I'm going to end. I want to leave you with it. Just I want to leave it right there. Maybe we'll decide to bring it next week. You want to bring this next week or you want to go into spiritual intimacy? Your call. Okay. Okay. How many people would like to come back with sex and dating again? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, you guys just messed it up because it's half and half right now. Here it is. I'll let your leader decide. When you decide who to date, I will leave you with this. I'll leave you with this one thought in your mind. The person you're going to date has got to fulfill one requirement. One. Pastor, how do I know if this is the right person or the wrong person? There's one requirement that this person has got to fulfill. You want to hear it? I'll bring it to you but not today. Let me pray. Father Almighty, I thank you, Lord, and I love you, and I honor you, and I ask you to be with us, Lord, to help us, to empower us, Lord, to know when is the right time to date and when is not the right time to date, Lord. We want to glorify you with our lives. We want to live according to your will, Lord. We want to know when is the right time to date and when is the wrong time to date. Teach us, empower us, equip us, and show us, Lord, what we're supposed to do. We love you, we thank you for this time. And I ask you, Lord, to allow these people, everybody that's listening, to understand dating is good. Relationships are good. Sex is good when it's done in a godly manner and in a godly way. And it brings the blessing of marriage and children and life. So thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege to love others 
as you have loved us. I thank you, I praise you, and I worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.